Good morning and welcome to the Essential Leadership Skills Podcast with your hosts Barb Monson and Glenn Daniels. Our guest today is Nita Sweeney, a best-selling author and founder of the group Mind, Mood, and Movement, helping others support their well-being through meditation, exercise, and writing. Clinically diagnosed with bipolar disorder, anxiety, PTSD, and paranoia, Nita discovered that, in addition to therapy and medication, she needs movement, meditation, and writing to stay alive. This realization prompted her to share her story and offer these techniques to others. Whether she's writing a book, running an ultramarathon, speaking to a group of lawyers, or leading a meditation session, Nita Sweeney's mission is to help people heal their minds. Nita earned a journalism degree from the EW, Scripps School of Journalism at Ohio University, a law degree from the Ohio State University, and a Master of Fine Arts degree in creative writing from Goddard College. She served as the assistant to writing practice originator Natalie Goldberg for 10 years and has taught writing and meditation for more than two decades. We are excited to share the depth of her experience with you in this episode of Essential Leadership Skills, the podcast. This is a Touchstone Publishers presentation, your trusted source of leadership knowledge. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome, Nita. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Nice to be here. So excited to, um, I mean, just, just honestly, just listening to your credentials alone are impressive, but it's your story behind the credentials that I just can't wait to just have a discussion with you today and learn more about your background and your, your, what, just everything that you do. Um, incredible. So why don't we just start off with you telling us what we might not know about you? What, what don't we know about you and how you do your business? This is going to sound weird, but I love unicorns. Really? <laughs> well, that's perfect. I do. Yeah. I have one behind me. I don't know that's if you perfect, can yeah. see it. Yeah. Back there. Oh, now I see um, it. Yeah. So, but I like individuality. Okay. And I trust that people are different from each other. I, let's see, trust might not be the right word. I recognize that. And so when I'm writing, when I'm working with other people, um, whatever I'm doing, I think about the ways we're all alike, but also the way that particular person might hear what I'm saying differently from um, someone else. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm always aware of that little bit of unicorn in each of us that uh, we, you know, what works for you won't necessarily work for me. I offer what has worked for me. And I also try to offer other options too just because we're not, we're a lot the same, but those little differences can make a difference in how we learn, how we achieve, you know, how we uh, get along in the world. So that's, that's probably the one thing that the unicorn part is probably the one pe- thing people don't know. <laughs> they don't know. <laughs> no, it is. Kind of a, I used to, actually, I haven't done that in a little while in the, I have a, this group, which was mentioned my mood and movement. And I used to post a unicorn like a meme or something once a week. And I, I got away from that because I got really busy with a book launch and I need to get back to that because people really enjoyed that. So just a little fun thing. Well, it represents so much. It represents so much. Barb, I hope you don't mind me taking a side curve here real quick, but I couldn't help but get attracted to your book, Depression Hates Movement, but mostly because of the fact that it was on the bestseller list for bipolar and running and jogging almost two different things, but yet I can see how they could tie together. Can you talk to us about how they tie together? Well, for me, uh, movement and especially running, because that's my love, is a treatment for my bipolar disorder. 
it's one of the tools in my mental health toolkit. I mean, I have therapy, I have medications, I have meditation and writing practice. But when I added um, breaking a sweat through movement to, you know, the mix, it really changed a lot of things. And so that's that's how that first book came about was um, I started running at 48, 49, and it surprised me. I mean, it really surprised me. I did not expect it to make the kinds of changes that it has. I was on four medicines and now I'm on a very small dose of one. Wow. Um, I don't have to see a therapist as often, except when there's a, you know, a difficult situation. And mm. yeah, I just feel more stable. I was able to, to get a book published by a traditional publisher, which I had not been able to do. I tried that with a number of other uh, one one book in particular, but so it just really changed things in so many different ways. And I know now that there's tons of science behind it. Um, it's not a great surprise to most people, but it was to me. <laughs> mm, okay. Well, I think it, I'm just going to follow up. I think it might be a great surprise to a lot of people. I mean, we think bipolar disease has to be treated because of the chemical imbalance with medication. So yeah, I mine, think that makes a big difference. Yeah, mine is. And we're always careful to watch for any mood imbalance that might require an additional medication, especially a mood stabilizer. That's usually the most common one with bipolar that is effective. But right now I'm on a um, SSRI Prozac. That's just what I'm on. And for whatever reason it is working, the uh, movement and the meditation and all the, the all the tools. I never know which one's working at any given time. So I try to do them all and try to keep okay. them all in, in play. Um, but, but yes, I, I have excellent, I'm so grateful, so grateful for excellent mental health care professionals because not everybody has access to that. And I have good insurance, which not everybody has. Um, so I'm very, very fortunate. Um, and I never want to say that movement is a cure, that movement will fix it all. Oh, just stop going to therapy. Stop taking your meds. No, 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 no. We did that very gradually with professional help. It was not, you know, needed mm. just winging it, which I imagine, you know, you said you, you, you do all the tools, you just keep doing a little bit of everything and you're not sure which one is working at any one time. I'm sure it's, it's some combination. I have a feeling though, the movement, since we're just talking about that part of it, probably makes you more aware. Now you, you said you go see your therapist when you need to in a situation. So do you think your movement or your movement and your medita meditation brings you a heightened awareness of when you need additional support or different support? I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think the meditation gives me the focus but with the because I use it primarily, I meditate while I'm moving. Okay. Um, that that I do think that combination though um, does bring heightened awareness. And you know, with movement, um, I'm a runner, and so there there is some precision with it. But it's not like weightlifting or ice skating or um, some other sport that might require the type of intense focus. Now, when you're racing, that's a whole different thing. That does require the intense focus if you really want to do um, race at a high level. But for 
for me, I think the meditation is probably the part that gives me that self-awareness. I probably am just a naturally proprioceptive person, which also helps. And I'm, you know, um, I think the term is highly empathic, but I'm just very aware of um, my emotions, other people's emotions. And so um, that, that probably helps me be able to reach out and willing, which that's another piece because with medications, there's sometimes side effects. I've gone off them, gone you know, back on, cycle through. And now I'm very willing to trust that my uh, psychiatrist especially will listen to me and that the things that she says will be helpful because that's not, you know, not everybody feels that way either. You know, I want to dive a little bit into this meditation because as a leader, I think some of us understand the power of it. Some of us don't. But I'm always kind of curious as to how best to meditate. I mean, when you're running and meditating, so you, you have movement, do you try to focus on no thought or do you do an affirmation? Can you just kind of lay out, teach us how to meditate that you sure. do? Um, now, the way that I meditate is only one way to meditate. Let's go back to that unicorn. But the way that I meditate is to choose an interval of time or a distance. So maybe the first mile or maybe, um, I don't know, the first 10 minutes, something like that. Make it make it five, make it very doable for someone who's never done it. So pick that first because that's a little container and it helps your mind not freak out and think, oh my God, I have to do this for 10 miles. Or, you know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, 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 um, yeah. So pick that kind of interval and then choose what we call an object of meditation. So that could be any of your senses, anything that's in, that comes in any Love of it. your senses or your thoughts. Your senses are usually easier, like body sensations are usually easier than thoughts because thoughts can be sticky and you end up just, you know, thinking about the grocery list and all that stuff. So uh, after you get some focus, you can work with that. So for me, I have a um, congenital defect in my left ankle. My bones are too close together. So there's always a little bit of extra sensation in my left foot that's not in my right foot. So it makes it an easy object of meditation. So while I'm running, I will point my attention, my mind to that foot and I will notice if it feels like it's hitting harder than my right foot or not as hard, how my foot feels in my shoe, if my uh, foot is tingling, if there's you know anything happening in my left foot. I also get really curious, what does left foot feel like? What is this thing we all think about is, oh, we know what this is. Well, do we? What is left foot? I also notice um, what we call impermanence. Sensation now, then absence of sensation, movement of sensation, changes <clears throat> in sensation. Um, because that's that tiny little impermanence within left foot actually mirrors what's going on all the time. Everything is constantly changing. And so if we can be open to that in left foot, we can be open that to that in the rest of our lives. So um, yeah, and the, the mindset that we try to bring to it is called equanimity, which is curiosity, open-mindedness, kind of a balanced mind, not reacting. So in this type of meditation, you're not trying to change anything. It's about learning to be with exactly what is in the moment, in this present moment. And then because minds um, think thoughts, that's their job is to think thoughts. I will 
be thinking about this next podcast I need to do or the book I'm writing or something mm -hmm. else, so, you know, mm -hmm. grocery list. And then I will remember, oh, that's right. I had set an intention to meditate during this period of time. And I will very, very gently, most important thing, very gently bring my mind back to left foot. So it's a it's a training. It's a muscle building of focus, calm, concentration, tolerance, resilience done very gradually with little things like that. You can use your vision. One of my favorite things is the color green. I live in central Ohio, United States. It's very green here much of the year. So uh, I'll notice like all the shapes and uh, colors of green, all the different shades or in the spring or in the morning, especially um, in the most of the year, there'll be birds singing. And so I will notice that sound. Maybe I'll choose that. Um, I can use scent. Um, in the spring, we have lilacs here, which are just wonderful, pleasant. So I'll notice the pleasant sensations. I'll notice, oh, now I can smell lilacs. Now I can't. And then wait. Notice if I'm like grasping, I want lilacs, I want lilacs, because that can create suffering. And uh, yeah, so that's probably a little bit longer answer, but that's how you do it. And the gently, the remembering and the gently bring your mind back. Those are really, really important because we're so used to trying to force ourselves to do things. So especially as leaders, you know, we need to make this happen, which in many areas of our life, we do take action. We do want to be strong. We do, you know, but if we're only using the exact amount of energy that we need, we're so much more efficient. And that's part of this process is learning that. Wow. I feel like I just went to school. That was, too. That was so helpful yeah. because I, I always, and, and maybe this is just me speaking it over myself, but I always think I have a very busy brain and I always think meditation has to look a certain way or be a certain way. And I don't quite know how to do it right. There's a wrong and a right. And you just, you you made it simple and achievable you know, but while still lending credit to the, how powerful it actually is, but even just starting as small as an awareness of a sensation or a scent or something visual, and it's the whole key is focus. And I, I just think that 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 alone was so helpful. So oh, helpful. thank you. I'm really glad it's it's the combination of focus with equanimity. It's like focus with the awareness that oh, I want this thing, I want this thing, and how that causes a, a type of pain, actually, or the reverse, I don't want this thing, I don't want this thing, and pushing away, the feeling of pushing away. Whereas with equanimity, um, maybe my foot hurts. Can I just investigate what that feels like? You know, is it sharp? Is it cold? And so, because yeah. that's all transferable, to the rest of our life we're going to have someone that's unpleasant that we have to deal with and we're going to have someone that we want to deal with you know all of that um and then neutral things too we talk about a meditation on boredom so you're in the grocery line and it's not moving fast enough yeah uh, excellent opportunity what does boredom feel like where do i feel it in my body what thoughts are arising, especially if the person in front of me has 16 items in the 15 item line. Perfect opportunity for meditation. What does that irritation feel like? Where do I feel it? So yeah, I'm glad it was helpful. Yeah, so, very. There's a lot more of that. The, the book has, I think um, the new book, which is Make Every Move Meditation has, I wanna say there were over 20 different exercises and it's so adaptable because you can pick whatever 
you're doing and whatever sense is appearing to you, you, you can make that choice. So that's part of why I love it. That's why I keep, you know, I've, I've studied all kinds of different techniques for wellness and well-being. And this is just the one I keep coming back to because for me, it's been the most effective and adaptable. You know, every now and then I come across something or someone says something and we used to call it tweetable moments, but I don't call it tweetable moments. I call it a writable moment. And so something I just want to write down. So that's what I had to write down. No, meditation applies to other things in the life of a leader. You know, because you got to deal with the employee you don't want to deal with. But if you've been meditating, you might find a better way to deal with them because you're going to focus on where you want to focus. Not the negative, but on the good and be aware of all the good. Maybe So that's a very powerful thing that you said there. I appreciate that. Thank you. That made me think of something too. In meditation, when when you develop those skills, you learn to pause. And so you're you can make different choices because you're acting instead of reacting. And I'm I'm thinking I actually was an employment attorney for many, many years. And I, I represented, I've been, I've represented both sides of the table. But uh, but that pause, so many of the people that whether they were employers or employees that found themselves in hot water was because they reacted they didn't act they reacted in a way that was you know unhealthy for everyone and dangerous sometimes and so having that skill of being able to pause and choose your action as opposed to reacting which a lot of us i mean i still do that too um has been really powerful for me in a lot of areas in my life you know i'm gonna interrupt before barb gets here again because there's one thing i want everybody to kind of notice what Barb is really good at, but Glenn's not so good at. Barb will pause. It's almost like she's not hasn't prepared her question until she hears what you have to say. Then she pauses. That is really powerful. And that's what makes a good interview, I think. You know, sometimes people want you to just fire back the questions. But that pause that she always does is something that I think we all can emulate. And it really works well in the uh, leadership when you're coaching or counseling somebody. So thank you for that quick reminder. I appreciate that. Thank you for the compliment. We, other people always see things in us we don't see, right? I, I think Glenn is a brilliant interviewer. Um, and I, I'm learning from him as we go. I'm learning well, to pause. <laughs> <laughs> from someone who hasn't mastered any of this meditation, that yeah, that's a high compliment. Um, Nita, you, you were in employment law, and I know you speak to lawyers. Were you were you this aware already in the employment law part of your career, or did some of that um, kind of spur on a, kind of a search for how to deal with life's problems and how to deal with workplace situations? And like, how did those two come together for you? I love this question because the answer is another one of those things that is kind of quirky and fun. There was this guy and I was dating him and I really liked him. And I'd heard of meditation, but I didn't really know anything about it. And I was practicing law at the time. And he said, you wanna sit? And I said, you wanna what? And he <laughs> meant, do you wanna meditate? And that's how it started. I started meditating with him, but um, I was having difficulty at work because this is so crazy. I don't like conflict. I'm not good in conflict situations. There are people that are thr that thrive on it, that really um, can mm -hmm. tolerate it. Mm -hmm. uh, it. It is not good for my nervous system. It is. Um, I've learned 
to walk through it, but it's just not something I'm going to put myself in in a daily basis anymore. And so I was facing that. And then as a result, probably of all that, I was having horrible back issues. My back would go out all the time. And through the meditation, because of some of the things I learned by different meditators I wound up studying with, I found a solution to my back pain and ways to be more effective at my job and be able to tolerate it. Um, I ended up leaving the practice of law. Uh, I probably should have been on medication a long time before I was. It was the early 90s and it wasn't quite as, you know, just we just weren't in there yet. Right. Just didn't have enough information. And it was such a bad job fit. It just really was. I mean, I was good at it. I was a partner. I did, you know, but it, the toll was too much. So I did end up leaving and I uh, left as a result of, um, of a major depressive episode, which the nervous breakdown is what they might call it. And so in that, it was sort of like the caterpillar has to turn to goop before they come out on the other side and uh, become, you know, the butterfly that can fly. And that's what it felt. I had to go all the way to goop <laughs> and end mm. up hospitalized in treatment. But through that, I found the power of meditation because it kept it kept me grounded, it kept me centered, it kept me learning these skills to focus. And so, um, so I I think what I was as opposed to aware was hyper vigilant, and that's different from the type of focus that you learn in meditation. And so that's actually something I work with is I have. Um, too much you might call it jittery focus whereas in meditation we want a, a little bit calmer focus and i've worked on that you know it's been 30 years now so it's much much better but every once in a while it's still i still have that situation so so i brought to it um my natural tendency to be a hyper aware person right for um me to pick up on you know the raised eyebrow the tiny tilt of the head, the little tiny cues that some people don't get. And um, we might call it emotional intelligence. You know, some people might call it that. But um, um, but I didn't know how to use those strengths. I now see them as strengths. I didn't know how to use them. And they, um, 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 you know, became kind of determined. But it made me it made me um, meditation interesting to me because I already had kind of that ability to be awake to all that. No, I find that kind of interesting for on a lot of different levels. But what I a little bit confused about, and I'll ask for your coaching, it was a big thing that caused you to move into this idea of what meditation is all about and caused you to kind of change things around. Like I said, you know, things happened in life that it became a big issue. Yet though you talk a little bit, a little bit about tiny actions lead to audacious results. They just lead to right. huge. Can you kind of coach me on that a little bit? Sure. So the problem or the, let's not call it a problem, the lack of skill that I had that, that caused me to leave the practice of law was the inability to, to, it was like a denial thing. I think I kept thinking if I just worked harder, if I just, um, could make myself tolerate this. Um, you know, I went into the whole manifest your destiny kind of stuff and the, mm. um, listened to a lot of uh, different thought leaders um, 
about, um, you know, uh, feel your fear and do it anyway. And, and I did that. And unfortunately, I think I have deep wounds from that, <laughs> you know, cause so there's some, there's the tiny actions that I could have taken was listening to myself and, and, and getting help much sooner because I just kept thinking oh, okay. that, that I could, I mean, I came from a family of people that, um, were really hard workers and, uh, we, I grew up on a farm, um, and, so you just worked harder. That's what you did. You just, if the post would not go in the ground, you got a bigger sledgehammer and you hit it harder. That's just what we did. And so um, that did not, that did not work for me. So when I learned about the tiny actions leading to audacious results was when I started running because, and that was many years later, many, many years later, I'd been writing. I had, I had, you know, been in and out of different types of, um, um, employment arrangements, things like that. And um, I, the training plan that a friend of mine was doing that I eventually looked at up without, you know, telling the whole story, which is in the first book, Depression yeah. is Moving Target. It said 60 seconds of jogging. It did not say two minutes. It did not say running. It didn't even say one minute. It said 60 seconds. And at that point in my life, I was, I, that was the, the, when I left the practice of law, that was the most dangerous, dark place I've ever been in. But, mm. um, but I came to another dangerous, dark place. I would say it was the second most dangerous, dark place. And that was in um, 2007, kind of through 2009, which is when I saw this social media post by this friend who said, this running is getting to be fun. And I thought, there's, those words don't go together. Run, fun, nope, Run, they fun, don't. Yeah. Those do not. Nope, don't go together. So I looked up her plan after a while, and there was something about that that just made me think, hmm, I think I can do that. And so that step, again, chunking it down of putting on my ancient sweatpants I hadn't had on in forever, digging the shoes out of the back of the closet leashing mm. up the dog, walking down to this hidden uh, ravine area, very beautiful ravine area near where I live because nobody could see me. Um, and then, you know, taking my digital timer and setting it for 60 seconds and just jogging, it set in motion. It didn't fix everything, obviously, but it set in motion a series of other steps. And I think overwhelm, I know it's a problem for me. It's a big problem for a lot of people. Just that that sense that everything is too much. I think, you know, especially after the pandemic and so many things changing and the the you know the way we work has changed and there's just so much people are still very overwhelmed and continue to be overwhelmed. And so that's why I just really emphasize tiny little steps, tiny little things. Um because you know, what is a what is a phone call made of above? But you know, you have to call somebody. Yeah. It's not talking to them immediately. First you pick up the phone and then you dial the number and then you listen to the ring. You know, it's steps, these steps. And so if I can slow things down like that, even if I'm not doing them slowly, if I can chunk them into those parts, they're just not as overwhelming. And um, and as someone who's, you know, a highly anxious leader, um, let's just say, that kind of thing really, really helps me. Good. What I like about that, the, the tiny actions 
is you, you gave a lot of examples of how you used that intentionally and intentional use of tiny actions leads to greater things. But I think a lot of us, especially when we're living on autopilot, which honestly, a lot of us do, we also have a series of tiny actions that lead, they lead to audacious results, but in the negative, not the positive. <laughs> yeah. So if we aren't paying attention to our small habits and our daily habits and small decisions, they do compound one way or the other. And so yeah, I think you just made me really aware of that, of just really right. channeling some focus on the small things every day. Um, because they do compound. And, and so which direction are mine headed? <laughs> so. Right, right. And we have when we develop that focus and awareness, again, we can make choices. Because like you said, so many, I mean, we have to be on autopilot some of the time, we can't be conscious, you know, mindfulness isn't 24 seven. But, um, but when we can, then we just make better choices in tiny increments. Yeah, that's thanks for pointing that out, because that's really yeah. true. I I feel like there, the depth of, of your understanding and experience, we would not have enough time talking all day. So it's, it's really hard to just Thank extract the, the golden nuggets. Um, I think what strikes me is how well you have taken what could be labeled as limitations, and you've made every one of them an asset, mm -hmm. even to the degree of having um so, you know, something with your ankle that would hinder or stop anyone else from running at all, let alone ultra marathons, but you turned it into an asset as a tool for you to meditate on. So uh, absolutely incredible. Uh, how do you, I think you really have a gift. How do you use that in your work? What are you doing right now to help and serve others with this? Um, right now I'm focused on the books, on getting the books out there, because that's probably my, um, easiest thing to do. And because I still do have um, mental health challenges, I mean, I, I will always, um, that's a that's a way for this off the scale introvert. I mean, interviews like this is great, too, because you guys get it out for me. You know, I talk to you and then you guys promote it. But uh, but the books are the main thing. And then I do a lot of little tiny videos. I actually got on TikTok, not because I want to, you know, I don't know, flip backwards off the falls you shouldn't jump off of or something like that but um um but i had these little one to two minute videos of how i um, choose an object of meditation on a run or a walk and so i posted those on instagram for a while and i still had them so i just posted all of them on tiktok recently and they're up some of them are up on youtube i'm going to start kind of doling them out gradually on youtube so that's another way i kind of help i do um lead meditation in my community, I live in Upper Arlington in Central Ohio, United States, and so um, uh, so sometimes I have meditation classes. But it's been it's been the kind of thing where I've had to learn to balance because I still have the, you know, I still have um, challenges, and um, um, so I am very careful to to um, limit myself to what I can do well because I don't want to do things that are just sort of, you know, half baked. I really want what I present to be helpful to people and to um, 
to be a quality product, quite frankly. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. And, and for me, the, the books are very consuming. I mean, that's really, you're just all in. I can't, I'm a lot of people I know, I know a ton of authors and they can write more than one book at once. I don't know how they do it. I'm when I'm in, I'm like in the bucket. That's it. That's all there is. It's me in that book. And I do have a husband, a dog, but they, you know, I mean, I've gone to a hotel for a week and to just write because I just have to be in that container of the book. And, uh, so yeah, but that's, I think the books are probably the best way. And I, um, hopefully you'll share the link there. I see. And, um, um, but yeah, I, like I said, social media, is sort of a way to get little taste. There's also some freebies on my website, um, nitasweeney.com. I have a, a book called, um, it's a, a, oh my God, I'm just, I just totally blanked on the title, but it's three ways to something. Anyway, um, it's about like three, <laughs> it's three methods for, it's for mental health wellness. Sorry, I just blanked on the freebie. I haven't said it in a little while because I've been so focused on, on talking about make every move of meditation. And um, and then there's some other little freebies on the, on my website too, just to try to get people some information. Are you talking about the, uh, what is it, three tools for happier, healthy mind? That's it. Three tools for the happier, healthier mind. Yeah, we it had a different name and then we rewrote it and gave it a, it's the same, it's a similar content, but the, but I rewrote it because it just feels like it, again, I want to uh, share a quality product and it didn't feel like that was my best work. And so, um, so we redid the title and um, it's just, I just lost it there for a minute. I had it earlier, but <laughs> I'm so sorry. Thank you. Thank you so <laughs> You're much. welcome. So I, was, I saw that and I downloaded it. I just haven't read it yet. So, but yeah, that's okay. It's my three because the big my big three are movement, meditation, and writing practice. And uh, writing as an exploratory tool, which eventually, to me, it led to publication. But but writing as a practice, as a kind of a meditative practice. Before we go to the last question, tell us a little bit more. When you say writing, do you mean like journaling or do you mean writing a full-blown book? Or what do you mean? Well, both. Um, for me, there uh, I studied with a woman named Natalie Goldberg, who's a Zen practitioner, and she combined meditation with writing. So it's like journaling, but you do it timed. So uh, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. So you have, again, that container, like what you do with meditation. You have that container. And then the number one rule is keep your hand moving. Even if you have nothing to say, you just make little squiggles because there's something about making circular motions that triggers the mind and that eventually words will come. Uh, sometimes you use prompts, uh, simple prompts. I remember, I don't remember, I'm looking at, I'm not looking at. And it's about being in the moment in what you're writing. So you're not, you're writing about something mm. that might not be in the moment, but, or sometimes you are, you're writing, describing like what's in front of you. Um, but the sensory detail brings you into the present of what you're writing about. So you may be remembering something and you're in the present of that past moment. What was that like? What was the detail from that? Okay. And, and what's interesting is lots of things come up. You'll, you'll have emotions will come up and she just, just write through them, cry a little bit, write a little bit, cry a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Love that. Love that. So what questions did we not ask you? That we should have. What questions did we not ask you that we should have? Why bother? Why should we bother with this meditation thing? Ooh. What is that? Why should you? I mean, I am so busy. I already exercise. Why should I add something extra? On my well, already pretend we did. And so, okay. <laughs> we did ask that. <laughs> pretend okay. we so, did anyway. So. Yeah. So anyway, that's the, that's the um, you know, that's the thing is that there's so much science to cognitive development, mental health, and physical well-being with both meditation and movement. So when you combine the two, it's sort of like a supercharge, like 
putting it on steroids. Mm -hmm. And you're already probably exercising anyway, or you're already meditating anyway. So, I mean, we hope if not, um, there's stuff about that in the book, if you're not doing either also, <laughs> but, yeah. um, um, but if you know, most people have are taking a walk around the block, I mean, they're, are they're doing something to try to, to, um, uh, have their physical well-being. So this is just some, a way to, to toss that in there that adds it. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Can you just remind us one last time? You've got two books behind you. What are right. what are they titled? I know we um, have the link. Yes, it's um, let's see. Make Every Move a Meditation is the most recent book, and it's mindful movement for well-being and for mental health, well-being and insight. And then my first book was a running and mental health memoir, Depression Hates a Moving Target, How Running with My Dog Brought Me Back from the Brink. And that's that's the mm. white one. There's actually a writing journal, which is the pink one back there, but it's um, um, it's blank pages with author quotes. So it's more of a you know blank book that you fill. Whereas the other two, the um, the first one, Depression is a Moving Target, very much a memoir and a training journal of what I did, you know, on this day and how many miles I ran. It's, it's uh, and then the the most recent one, Make Every Move Meditation, is a how to. It's just a straightforward. This is how I do it. I I want to get my hands on both of those, so I yeah. plan to do that. Yeah, <laughs> They're available absolutely. wherever fine books are sold. <laughs> Tell you to say that. I love saying that. My editor said, "That's what you say." Those. It looks like I don't know anyone who couldn't benefit from that. So I so appreciate meeting you today, Nina, and having you yeah, share your too. expertise and your experience. It's very enlightening. For well, me, thanks personally. for the great questions. Thank you so much. I appreciate the work you guys are doing because it's. Good stuff. People need help and you guys are doing it. So thank you. Right. I thank you for being with us too. Well, Barb, that was the ideal that she was able to sit down and lay out for us the method she uses for meditation. I know she you know, qualified it a little bit by saying the unicorn, which you, know, you got your own unicorn, but that method rang so true to me. What about you? Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I I feel like I have maybe permission now to look at it again. To I, I always just kind of told myself, well, that you're not that kind of person or you can't figure that out. And it, it, I, anything with the unicorn, you know, it, I resonate with that. It, it applies to everyone. So I feel like she gave us really ordered concrete steps that you can use and that are applicable immediately. So, yes. um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think it, a lot of leaders miss those Missed the idea. So now they're labeled those teeny steps. Right, right. And I, I think for me, I always was hyper aware of being productive at all times and taking time to do certain things where I didn't see an immediate, you know, task get checked off my list. I saw it as unproductive. And she really flips the script on that and shows how yes. allowing your mind to go to a certain place it helps you and enable, enables you. And I guess. I'm struggling with my words here. <laughs> Enables you the rest of the day. Um, I, I think it adds to productivity later. Even with the the journaling or the writing, she talked about making swiggles. When I'm in long calls, I find myself making swirls with my pen, just unconsciously. Uh, I, I like circles for some reason, and maybe there's something to that about the way my brain is processing. So, well, I tell you, when she was saying that, it kind of made me start to think. Well, maybe because in our goal setting workshop, we just say, if you get stuck, just write the words, blah, 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 blah. 
I started thinking, well, the word blah and the B and the L and the A, those words kind of have the circles in it. Said, they do work that a little bit and make sure because that's you get stuck writing out your goals or don't edit just write but right. just the idea of the circles that kind of resonated really really well with me I the other thing that like i said i made a note if it's worth tweeting it's worth writing so it's gonna go on my journal here mm -hmm. but meditation applies to other things in your life um yes. you know you used to just sit there so i make a rule it's not really a rule now it's just life 15 minutes a day so if I can meditate for more than 15 minutes a day, fine. But 15 minutes a day is a winner. Mm. And I see that it applies, though, because I was thinking about it the other day, the challenges that are uh, taking place with uh, everything in my little world. I started realizing that those, I stopped, something made me think about it like three weeks ago. I'm handling it different. Uh, instead of getting Ooh. what I would have done three years ago, I'm handling yeah. it now different because I think of that meditation is causing that. Interesting. And when she mentioned, you know, it applies to other things, so I think, well, I didn't snap at this person the other day. Yeah. You know, as tired as I am, I didn't snap at them. Maybe because I took that time for that 15 minutes and been building upon it. Wow. I, I think those are things that leaders really kind of will get a hold of. If I can just do that 15 minutes. Yeah, if right. I have time, I can do more. Right. But it's a win for 15 minutes. It really is. It really is. Yeah, I yeah. love that interview. That was, I think that was really good. The last thing I want to mention that really struck me that I'd like to, for all our leaders to take, it's the tiny actions. Yes. It's the tiny actions. So when we talk about just simply saying good morning to everybody, it's a tiny action of saying good morning. It's going to shape the rest of their day and their trust and accountability, but it's a yeah. tiny action. It's not a big grandiose action. Oh, good morning. Here's a box of donuts. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just a tiny thing. It makes, it, it makes things happen. So. The grandiose actions have their time and place. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But I'm not yeah. sending you a box of donuts, so don't worry. <laughs> no donuts but yeah, you. tiny actions, they, they really yeah. do add up. They, yeah. And they become second nature. Yeah. Yeah. Well, another great one. I think we have another, another great, great one. Yeah. Another great one. A lot of good information. Um, hopefully, I'll remind her. Hopefully, she's still in the green room for us, but I'll just remind her that this will be downloaded and we'll get a podcast date which by the time everybody sees it the date will be out there but she'll have that and yeah. all those different things so um like i said hopefully she's still in the green room so we can chat with her real quick but a great great day i appreciate great it great day yep now i have a new book to read yeah oh yeah don't worry really. <laughs> she has three three um that i think are worthwhile reading I yeah really do. so i'll read them and we can talk about them in our book club once we start that again so. there we go there we <laughs> go all right, here we go. Thank you for connecting with us here at Touchstone Publishers. Please join our group Essential Leadership Skills and share your leadership knowledge with us all.